This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. It is August 29th, August 2019. The year is just kind of flying by. So happy Thor's Day. And we always do a shout-out to Chris Hemsworth, wherever you are, and you're always welcome to join us on the show. And it's also National Whiskey Sour Day, which is exciting for people leading into a three-day weekend, because tomorrow is International, International Cabernet Sauvignon Day. And Whale Shark Day. So see if you can like fit all that into uh, a conversation this weekend. Um, usually after wine, conversations kind of flow, so it'll be fun. But if you're not hanging out with friends or don't want to, um, I have some fabulous books for you to read this weekend by a very good friend of mine named Sharice Deland. She loves to write about dashing heroes and the sassy women they adore, whether she's penning historical romances or contemporaries. She's praised for her poetic elegance and accuracy of detail. An award-winning author of more than 60 books, she's been published since 1990 by multiple publications. Um, And for research, she'll drive into the oldest texts and the dustiest library shelves to find the most accurate information. She also travels abroad. She writes everything down with pen in hand. She has a new YouTube channel that features all that, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And when she's home, she loves to cook, absolutely loathes dusting, and likes to travel and go to jazz class once a week. So her latest book, The Duke's Impetuous Darling, is now available on Amazon, and you can find her at her website, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, BookBub, and Goodreads. All those links are in the write-up of the show. Welcome, Ms. Sharice Land. How are you today? Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. It's It's been a good day so far because I shared breakfast with you. And, uh, you and so I'm, yeah, so I'm very fat and happy. Uh, you had uh, pancakes, as I remember. I did. And I had far too much French toast, and I'm still kind of sitting here trying to digest it all. And who needs to cook dinner, right? Right. And I don't regret one single stinking carb of it either. Um, it, no. <laughs> really good. It was so fabulous. You've never yes. been. Yes, it's Magnolia Pancake House here in San Antonio, and so if you get a chance to go, you should absolutely go. Um, and they make bacon, like wonderful good bacon as well. So yes, I it's was all very good. I, I was stunned when he said they they smoke the bacon out back, and I'm like, where where is that? Show me where that is. Right, <laughs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, I'm sorry, but you, you, there, there's certain things that are like stereotypical Texan that you're like, yeah, okay. But smoking bacon out back of the restaurant, I've got to have to say that's kind of a requirement yeah. for really good bacon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, and it was it was yummy. So we'll have to go back and gain three pounds <laughs> again soon. Uh, ah. I will do so well, willingly. Uh, yeah, I have known you a very long time. Uh, yeah, we did talk. We did talk about that. What is it? Fifteen years? Eighteen years? Well, yeah, we both started with San Antonio. Well, I started with San Antonio Remnants Authors, and you were already a member at that time. Okay. Okay. So yeah, two thousand and four. Yes. I yeah. emigrated from Washington D.C. down to San Antonio. <laughs> Right. Uh, joined yeah. in 1996, so I, you know, this has been my home group for uh, 23 years. So 23 years, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, well, good well, group. And you've, 
And it's fun to watch because, you know, when you're part of a writer's group, everybody goes through these really cool different projects and different things that they're writing and things that they love to write. And so I've seen you go from, your, you know, your classic historical romance to contemporary and then you're to Regency now, and you've done all these really cool projects. So your latest one with your Regency, your Saucy Regency ones, are yes. just beautiful. Thank I mean, you. they're all beautiful, I'm, but it's just fun to watch the, the, the transition. Yes, well, thank you. I ha- I'm having a marvelous time writing Regency romantic comedy. Um, and uh, I'm I'm not quite sure if I'm writing Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz or if I'm writing Reese Witherspoon. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it just kind of depends on but, the day. <laughs> yeah, well, and they're all wearing Regency costume and breeches and suspenders mm-hmm. and you know claw hammer coats and hats. Who wears hats anymore? So it's interesting. I um, uh, I do a lot of work with period costume because you have to know how your characters are dressed, but in a romance you have to know how to undress them as well. Right. So right. Yes. So that is interesting, and a lot of people get it wrong. And so it's very important to study not only what they called the fashion plates, which was the way women decided what they would like to have made for them uh, in a in a dress or a coat um, or a riding habit, but it's also interesting to understand what the lingerie was or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, pantaloons were an invention of the 18th century. Uh, so uh, before nice. that, not not too many people had underwear or lingerie. So uh, I think of the current advertisements for Third Love, the the brassiere manufacturer. Uh, okay. Yeah, presence is online, and I think, oh, yes, women have needed comfortable brassieres for years. For years. <laughs> yeah. No thanks for, to Howard you Hughes. Know, centuries, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whalebone so did you, not you start, do it. I'm sorry. No, it did not. No. You, so you started, you, you wrote historicals when you first started out, correct? Yes, I did. I did. I wrote uh, medievals and Victorians because that was my my training, you know, in uh, sure. uh, college. And um, I I had a bachelor's in um, uh, Victorian period English. Um, I should say British Second Empire. And uh, then I did, I I taught school for a year, high school, and um, then I went back uh, to graduate school, and I declared my major to be Chinese and Japanese history. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, with a European minor, so, you know, ni hao ma. Um, I took a little bit of Chinese. Yeah, I took a little bit of Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
uh, you know, for years I've been trying to incorporate some of that into what I'm writing, and I'm, I'm finally getting around to that because, of course, with the new emphasis on diversity in yes. fiction, particularly in romance fiction, I am very interested in using what I know about uh, the British Empire, the American Empire in that period, and Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. how um, the Chinese and Japanese and many people in the the Far East um, got on, as they say. So it's exciting to do that. Yeah. So what what brought you? I mean, what was kind of the catalyst for you to to? Because you wrote historicals, then you wrote contemporary, yeah, um, and then you went you you knew you're writing Regency, like rom com Regency. What was the catalyst to take you from that the um, the the contemporary to Regency? Well, um, I uh, I did enjoy writing contemporary a lot Mm -hmm. but I began Mm -hmm. to feel that I was not making the kind of statement about human nature that I wanted to make and um, I felt I was addressing the same kinds of issues in contemporary life for example um, you know when I was young which was many years before you were young. <laughs> when I was young, uh, many of my contemporaries had as their goal in life uh, to find a man. You know, they went to mm-hmm. they went to college because they were going to find an educated man, and that sure. was going to be the uh, that was going to be the end all and be all of life. And then later on in the eighties and nineties, I think things kind of changed among my contemporaries and perhaps among those a few years younger. And the emphasis was, how do I find a great job and how do I find a man who will be my equal? And um, then uh, I, I thought, well, you know, what about those poor women who thought they had no other way to live their lives except to live it Mm -hmm. through a man and that was of course uh, a a historical period far far away Mm -hmm. and yet many of them did find ways to establish their own individuality make their own money and I thought those people were worthy of exploring those kinds of goals were worthy of exploring Mm -hmm. because the suffragettes didn't just spring up out of the earth and say i want to be able to vote (laughs) sure there 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 had to be uh some other progenitor uh, of that idea of that concept you know i want to be i want to be equal so i thought well i'll go back to that period in which women began to question uh, the, uh, the the bounds that they were set in. And I, I think Jane Austen is one of the precursors of those of those questions. Um, George right. Eliot um, and um, uh, some of the, some of the other 
uh, writers of that of that period. So I wanted to go back there and show women who had, you know, some gumption and some yeah. motivation. Somebody who stirred and, things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not just dancing in a ballroom and fainting because my corset's too tight. So... <laughs> <laughs> Which did happen, but, you know. Yeah, it did happen, yeah. Mm, yeah, all too often. So, yeah, uh, yeah. No, no wonder they took laudanum, which was a form of, of uh, opium, mild opium, you know, because yeah. they were all bound up in so many ways. <clears throat> and, you know, you get hungry, so, but laudanum yeah. makes you not hungry, so. Yeah. yeah. you got to be skinny. Yeah. Which yeah. is interesting because, of course, the women who were too skinny had trouble having babies at the time. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, it's like that horrible balance of, well, wait a minute, you know, what do you want? Um, which yeah. sadly I think women are still still going through. It's like, well, yes. it's okay yeah. to, you know, yes. find the balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you are, are sitting there saying, okay, I want to write about women who – started questioning the the status quo and and you're picking you go to regency um yes. always wanting to set it in europe or did you t- think about setting it in the u.s or was was europe well, always your first choice no i'm a uh i'm a creature of uh tell me where where the market is and i will uh i will do my best to meet that market <laughs> oh so, Okay. I, yeah, so I always have thought of writing um uh, regency in London or in Europe, notably Paris. Okay. Maybe okay. maybe Italy because a lot of those people went on grand tours, you know, and they went to Italy, notably Venice or Rome. And uh, you know, God help them because they didn't have high speed trains nor even <laughs> high speed boats. So Yeah. They yeah, they were uh uh <clears throat> travelling for a long time and God love them for it too. So, um <laughs> I yeah. um yeah. I I like that uh that idea of setting things in, in London and in in Paris and the environs, and so that really requires me, I think, to go because you know, having lived in Washington D.C. Uh, for oh, gosh, oh, almost thirty years, I know the value of turning left on the on the appropriate street. Um, otherwise, you wind up. Um, in the wrong lane, going the wrong direction. And I just, yeah, I just cannot bear it when I read a contemporary book and someone tells me to turn right when I know that is not possible. (laughs) Not going to happen there, yeah. Yeah, so I'm a great believer in doing your research. And, of course, I, you know, I make fun of it and say, you know, I boil it down to... Traffic uh, procedures, but there are a lot of things that one must get right in a historical, and it takes a lot of time and effort. Um, but mm-hmm. I think what you're really doing, writing history, is providing people 
with a flavor of history as well as the factual background of history that perhaps they did not get nor did they enjoy when they were in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, we can do so much with reading out of a book and seeing in a movie and everything. And I had the great fortune of going to Paris last year and I'd never been. And I, you know, it was all about kind of see the, the Arc de Triomphe and the Eiffel Tower and all this. And I'm, you know, standing there in the middle of the Champs-Élysées and looking around and, and it's a layering of sensory that I couldn't have anticipated um, just yeah. because it's like you're so engrossed. And then we ended up there on a Friday night and there's that whole, if you've never been, if you look at the Eiffel Tower, it's, if you're looking at one way, it's straight up to where the the, the ballet uh, school is, and then yeah. there's museums up. And then if you look the other way, it's the military school, and so, yes. and of course down the streets. But um, you're looking, and so right in front of the the ballet school, they've got it was Saturday night, so you had all of the vendors out, which I knew nothing about the vendors. Then you've yeah. got uh, you know selling all these little tchotchkes. And then you have someone who's making crepes. And then you have someone who's selling wine. And you have someone who's selling – I mean, it's just in the, yes. the energy. Yes. Um, and it was a perfect night. Um, and so we sat there, and that happened. And then it didn't get dark till 10 because it was yes. June. Yes. And so it's all those things that I could not have anticipated if I yes. was just trying to write someone walking around the Eiffel Tower in June at 930 yes. at night. I wouldn't have known about any of it. Yeah, so you're right. Going to those places makes a difference. Seeing it, it is yes, it it does. You you can um, go to the top of Montmartre and and go into Sacré Coeur, and then walk out into a very small chapel that um, mm-hmm. uh, smells of jasmine. Why? Because the jasmine is. It has been planted for centuries all around mm-hmm. this this mm-hmm. little church. Well, you know, um, I, you don't you don't get that if you haven't been there, and it adds right. to the the charm of what you're trying to convey. I'll never forget. I walked into a um, a, a chateau uh, just north of Paris. And um, it is, we we say in English, Chantilly, but it's Chantilly in in French, and yes, indeed, it's where it, it's where they make Chantilly lace, but it is also the chateau where one famous cook made Chantilly cream, which is very much like whipped cream, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, you know, I, I walked in there and I thought, oh, Chantilly cream. I'm going to have Chantilly cream. And then I walked into this gorgeous white room that was just white and gold. And it was, it was I don't know how big it was, maybe 20 by 30. And I thought, this is Chantilly cream. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It was well, I'm just, laughing oh. about. I, I'm laughing about the the mention of Sacré Coeur because it was on my list to see when we were there. So we took a yeah. bus and 
you go up the hill and, and you know, it's at the top point in, in Paris. So you have to go up a hill, go through this, you know, these cobblestone streets, basically, all through all of these souvenir shops going by. And yeah. you go up this hill and then you go up like a thousand stairs. Yes. Um, so you get your steps in that day. <laughs> and so we get, we get to the top and Steve's like, are we going to the very top of the dome? And I'm like, Oh, I can't even. So yeah. um, we go in and we see the chapel and we come back out and there's this beautiful girl there uh, getting her wedding pictures taken. Yeah. Um, and she and her husband, you know, her betrothed and the, you know, they've got her dress and I'm thinking this is beautiful. And we are standing there and I hear this bell and I'm like, what is that? And I looked over and we were exhausted. We literally were breathless going up the stairs to get up there. And I look yeah. over and I said, is that a trolley? <laughs> a trolley that will take yes. you. Yes. So I was like, so that's like a, a thing for obviously a contemporary romantic comedy, but those little things, like you're saying, you can't figure those out unless right. you go to those yes. wonderful places. Yeah. Yes. So, so tell me, we're going to get distracted. We're going to talk all about Paris, but tell me about the Duke's impetuous darling, your latest book. That yes. is out right well, now. This is um, actually the the one of six stories. They're they're all rather short stories, novellas, forty k, thirty k, thirty thousand words, forty thousand words, about um, a uh, a woman, a doyen of Brighton society. This is the Christmas after Napoleon is defeated at Waterloo, and she decides she's going to give a grand house party. And what she's trying to do is marry off her three penniless nieces, who are lovely. And um, her, the Duke's impetuous darling is one of those uh, three uh, uh, nieces of hers. And this one is a bit of a scamp, actually. Um, okay. She, I, there, her, she and her sisters are penniless because her father drank away all the money and, uh, um, you know, died. Um, so um, they're, um, they have no home. They're, they're living with their aunt. And um, uh, she uh, has uh, hoped to marry a young man who went off to war to fight the Napoleonic Wars. And mm-hmm. he, wa- he was at Waterloo, but they, he's lost. They, he's lost in battle. They haven't heard from him. They, they, his friends and his his men who report to him have not found his body they don't know what happened to him so he is missing in action and okay yeah and so she despairs it's now uh 6 months after waterloo um everyone fears that he's dead and so she has a little occupation she likes to go riding at dawn just for the heck of it and so on numerous occasions, she's gone riding at dawn, and she has seen smugglers smuggling goods up onto the okay. shore. And, of course, during the Napoleonic Wars, smugglers were in great abundance, particularly around Brighton. So if she can get uh, some evidence that 
certain people in Brighton are the perpetrators because the guys who are hauling the stuff up onto the shore are just the pirates, so to speak. You know, they're just the sailors. Okay, yeah. But but the way smuggling works is, you know, people in town have to take those goods and then sell them, right? So if she can do that, she figures she'll get the customs officers to give her hundreds of pounds in reward money. And then she can buy a house for herself and her sisters. Well, um, she's in the process of doing this, and here comes her long-lost love, who has a form of PTSD. He has a head injury from fighting in in the wars. He was... He was in quite a few battles, but, of course, lost at Waterloo. And he has managed to survive, managed to recover some of his his um, uh, knowledge, you know, his, his um, functioning. And he has found his way back home, and so he's there to claim her. Um, and uh, so are the smugglers ready to abduct her. <laughs> oh. Oh, to nice. prevent her, yeah, to prevent her from, uh, you know, telling the local authorities about them. So um, I call it, uh, I call the whole plot of this house party three weddings and an abduction. <laughs> because the smugglers come along and try to abduct her, and she's like, what? No, you can't do that. Nope. And, um, not today. Yeah, not today. <laughs> so anyway, it was it was great fun to write, and of course very rewarding because I got to bring a man back from, um, uh, you know, loss yeah. and war. Yeah. So that was that was exciting to do. And I got to describe so have, some of Paris after after the Napoleon after Napoleon was sent to uh, uh, Saint Helena. So that was good. Okay. Yeah. So you have this one that's the Duke's Impetuous Darling, and then you yes. released last month his Naughty Maid, Delightful Doings, and Dudley Crescents. Yeah. Um, and then before that, you had his Tempting Governess, Delightful Doings, and Dudley Crescent. Um, and so it's. It's fun to see these. I mean, coming out, you have, you know, the Daring Widow. You've had the Viscounts of My Love. Um, you know, does now that you've got, you know, your research, the the majority of your research done, does it does it make the flow faster for the writing? Yes, it does. It does because um, having gone abroad so often and looked at you know, this uh, townhouse and that country house and this chateau and and that mm-hmm. palace, um, I get to put them in context, so to speak. And then as I'm writing, I get to say, oh, well, let's put that country house in this story. <laughs> right. Or, right. or um, let's use that example of um, that uh, Englishman who, after the uh, after the end of the Napoleonic Wars, a lot of Frenchmen were invited back home to retake their their lands, and so yeah. in one of the uh, Christmas bells stories, the the Viscount's only love, I get to reward 
a uh, an Englishman with his great uncle's chateau in the Loire Valley, and they grow grapes, and you know. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah. So um, I get to talk about how Frenchmen did receive many Frenchmen did receive their lands back. Um, not all of them, of course, but. Me, you know, great majority of them did. So I get to talk about that, and I don't think a lot of people know about that. So that's exciting to me to be able to impart something that I don't think a lot of people know. Yeah, and it's just it's pieces of history that I that are I think um, good to know and to to be um, to to know well. Um, yeah. So I think that it's it's and those kind of little tidbits go. Oh, hey, I didn't know that. Did you know that? No. And and I I would assume that people also look things up. Um, yeah. As well. So they do. Yeah. And so, historical so readers are very uh, avid about <laughs> accuracy. Yes. So very much. Yeah. So. I so appreciate you coming on and talking to us today. Thank you so for having you, me. <laughs> Absolutely, and you've got a YouTube channel out that's Travels with Sharice that's up, and I yes. will have the link of that in the show. Um, yes. And you have a tea room, which is a group that gets together every week. So check yes. out Sharice's uh, Facebook and Twitter and all sorts of stuff because she's got a lot going on to bring in readers and have writers come on and talk about all sorts of stuff. And her latest book, The Duke's Impetuous Darling, is now available on Amazon. You can find her at her website, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, BookBub, and Goodreads, and on also YouTube. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. It's been a delight. Thank you. <laughs> and then we'll schedule some more, pa- go eat some more pancakes, because there were some on there I didn't, I didn't try today. Please, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> Right? This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.